0: You're listening to the PT and the Give Dog Podcast, episode 55. After a quick update on Mike's latest Netflix binge, the two talk Cam Newton, the Red Sox, and the NBA. Let's do this. All right, we have a uh, post-holiday podcast, summer edition. Uh, We're after the 4th of July. Sports are starting to think about coming back. We got some... Updates in Boston sports to talk through. Um, you know, Cam Newton will be an interesting thing to talk through. Baseball, uh, basketball. But b- before we before we dive in, I know this is one thing I texted you about, Mike. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, so we were roommates in college, and one one constant on the TV late at night was um, Robert Stack's voice talking about unsolved mysteries, often on Lifetime. Um, and I think it was just this weekend. Netflix brought back Unsolved Mysteries, so I texted you about it. I would love to hear your thoughts around how uh, how, how how that has been going. To, if you had a chance to, to watch, I
1: gotta fact check you a little bit. Unsolved Mysteries was midday lunchtime viewership. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> my bad. The, the late night viewership was my um, my other favorite random show, which really isn't a random show, but uh, Golden Girls was the late night. <laughs>
0: you didn't digging
1: yourself a hole, not me. Just, just, had, just had to fact check you a little bit right there. Appreciate so, that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know about that, that they were bringing that back until you actually texted me. And then when I, <laughs> and I, realized, it, and then when I realized it was a Netflix show, I got really excited. Um, <laughs> so I've watched four of the six episodes. So they've only uh, put out volume one. Um, so they dedicate an hour to each story in true Netflix fashion, unlike just 15 minutes of a show. To a yeah. topic so they kind of draw it out which makes it really good really really good there's no host like voice over anything it's just mm-hmm. your regular murder mystery type of documentary type thing um mm-hmm. but they brought back the original music back from the robert stack days the original ones uh, the original ones that i was watching when we were in college <laughs> um, and actually at the opening credits of the show. When they throw the Unsolved Mystery logo up on the screen, there's like a ghost-like hologram image of Robert Stack, like in the background. It's actually really, really comic. cool. So they're, you know, they're they're paying they're paying homage to uh, to Robert just a little bit at the beginning, um, but that's the last you see of him. But I was I, when we were talking about this, I I found a way to connect Unsolved Mysteries to sports. I don't know if okay. that's possible. Okay, I'm very curious. So for people that aren't familiar with the show, so it, it originated with Robert Stack as the host. and then later they brought it back and they kind of did some of the same stories. but because Robert Stack had passed away, Dennis Farina, who's been who's has plays the same character in all the character movies that he that he that hes is he has same personality, unlikable guy, um, so he's the host of Unsolved Mysteries for a while. Dennis Farina since has passed away, but that's not the point. but um. He, was, uh, he had a role in two, uh, two sport movies, actually, where he played a coach slash manager. So the, the, uh, the first one, I think one of your favorites, Little Big League.
0: Yeah, before, um, before Billy Hayward takes over, right? He's the, yeah, the Twins so, manager. Yeah.
1: George O'Farrell is his name. He's the Twins manager. And he's just this bozo jerk kind of, you know, stuck in his ways, my way or the highway. You know, just basically, like I said, every character that Dennis Farina played in any movie, He's, this guy's the twins manager. So he gets fired. The, he destroy, and, uh, did,
0: did he destroy his office? I forget when, when after he gets he fired, does. I forget. He starts
1: to, he, he destroys okay. his, uh, throwing his plaques and his photos and everything, you know, takes his, takes a stapler, everything like that. You know, a real like corny firing scene from a really, you know, mid-level uh, quality Careful. baseball. I, I know, I know you, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, okay. <going>. So, <laughs> So then, then he also plays uh, the coach of the Knicks in the movie Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg before he gets fired and Whoopi Goldberg takes over. So later on in the movie, he gets the job as the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Um, if you recall the movie correctly, so he gets he gets that's like has that ever happened where an NBA coach gets like a, a, a second job within the same season after getting fired? No, it probably doesn't. Um, I don't think so. So, so Dennis Farina is a retread um, coach, you know, you know I always love to talk about retreads in the NBA, mostly in the NBA. Um, but, uh, you, you, you know, when you were, when you brought up Unsolved Mysteries thing to me, I started thinking about them both. And I'm like, hey, you know what, let's, let's talk a little bit about some great movie roles where uh, guys played coaches, um, you know, in the past. And Dennis Farina had had a couple of them. So,
0: given, um, given the Knicks current coaching search that we constantly text about and they're interest in a lot of potential retreads out there are you are you breaking news that Dennis Farina uh rest in peace may be a candidate for the Knicks coaching oh, just, uh, uh,
1: well be, before you said rest in peace I was going to say Dennis Farina is not available sadly yeah. for, for said <laughs> coaching job um, but, he, but he'd probably be better than any of the ones they've had in recent memory yeah. but um the names that are
0: being thrown around aren't, aren't that much better either by the way
1: no no they're not but um but Pat, if you want, if you and Lisa are into like, you know, you know, murder mystery type things that, you know, you know, it isn't unsolved mysteries, and you're just like, we'll watch. I'm gonna name a murder mystery documentary on Netflix. Um, you know, unsolved mysteries, it's not bad. It's they've they've really Netflixed it up,
0: and that's a good thing. So I'll have to watch at least one, because I think <laughs> I've uh, in high school and college I've seen enough of the Robert Stack ones yeah. where I should really watch one. Uh, We'll see if Lisa buys in. If I had to, if, I, if I was a betting man, I'd say no. But um, we'll see. We'll see where she ends up on the uh, on, on this one. We did listen to a couple well, of True Crime podcasts, which are which are always interesting. We'll
1: see if you like those. If you like those, then you'd like this. So I'd give it a shot. Okay. One of them. Okay. One of them. I think it was. I think it was the third episode. Uh, that one kind of creeped me out a little bit while I was watching it. But
0: anyway. okay, we'll skip that one. We'll skip that one. Um, oh no, all right. no,
1: that's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs>
0: Now that we've lost all the audience that we potentially had for this episode. No, uh, not at Cam, all. Not Cam, at all. Cam, <laughs> so Cam Newton. People, I, I don't
1: think people need right. to watch TV the next month. Sports are back to right. the end of the month. We're giving them other things to occupy their time until the NBA,
0: the NHL and major league baseball are back. Netflix generally does a pretty good job bringing back shows. So I'm optimistic. Uh, I would love if they bought 24, by the way, and like figure out a way to, to really push that, but I don't want to tangent this one too bad. Um, so, I don't know how to connect unsolved mysteries to Cam Newton other than it was a, it was a mystery why it took till early July for a team to sign him. Um, but I guess a week after that news hitting in terms of Cam Newton signing with the Patriots, where's your head at? I think not after that, we were both excited, but where, where has your head evolved since then?
1: I'm still where it was when they signed him. Like it, it makes for the, for the amount of money that's guaranteed. Um, the most money he can make is seven and a half million. If he hits all of his, all of his, all of his incentives and, if he does that, I think that's a real good thing for the Patriots. It's a real good thing for him. So I think it's, uh, there, there's no risk whatsoever with this. Um, you know, does it mean that they're probably less confident in what Jared Stidham can can do? Maybe not necessarily. They just don't think he's probably, probably ready, you know, ready for it. Um, you know, I, I heard a good, a good theory the other day that, um, Take COVID out of the picture, and you have a normal NFL offseason with a normal training camp and four preseason games, and who knows how that's gonna, you know, mm-hmm. end up looking. You know, maybe they'd feel more comfortable with someone who hasn't played like Stidham. But given that, you know, you you don't know what the what the what the training camp and preseason game landscape's gonna be. You know, given given the job to a guy like Cam Newton with all the experience he has, being a former NFL MVP. Mm-hmm. Taking a team to, you know, taking a team to a Super Bowl. You know, you know, people talk about how, you know, the Patriots, you know, you know, offensive weapons aren't, you know, up to, you know, the standards of, you know, even some other teams in the division and even in the AFC. But Cam Newton won with a lot less in Carolina, you know, and, you know, it'll all depend how we get. I mean, they're probably obviously going to tweak the offense from what it looked like. But I think it's – as far as if you're going to try to win and salvage something this season, um, you know, this, if he's your starting quarterback, it's, they're certainly not tanking, you know, by, by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I think it's, it, makes, it makes, makes things a little bit more exciting. Um, I mean, I don't think you can make the argument that watching Jared Stidham is, uh, you, know, you know, this year as the quarterback is – is as exciting as seeing what Cam Newton, you know, can do. And it's just because of name recognition and what he's accomplished in the NFL, um, you know, to this point.
0: Yeah. It's a big, Sidem's a big unknown um, and I think you hit, hit, hit many of the key points. I mean, there's, there's very little downside to this signing. If it doesn't work out. We're signing him for the minimum. Not a lot of uh, cap constraints. I think we're both optimistic that uh, he is someone who, if he's healthy, which is a big if, uh, it sounds like he passes physical, um, to the extent that teams had had a chance to get a visual on that. Um, he's someone who's won in this league. He's been an MVP of this league. Um, here's, here's a, a fun fact for you. Um, actually I'll, I'll make you guess. So you may know this, but Cam Newton's two and against the Patriots. Um, yep. I think, I think the first, the first win was, it, it, it might've been 2013. Um, or maybe 2014, but it was when uh, like Luke Kuechly was all over Gronkowski on that last play in the end zone, and it should have been a DPI, and they didn't call it. Um, and then the second one, I think we did a podcast right after, but I think I think it's when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, so maybe it was 2018, um, and we started the season off 2-2, two and two, and I think they had a tough loss to the Panthers. I don't remember anything about the game, except I think I was angry at um, – who was the receiver? Uh, uh, Brandon Cooks. I'm pretty sure I was angry about Brandon Cooks or something, but that was pretty much every game that season. Uh, and I think Newton brought them back for a field goal to win it at the buzzer. So Cam Newton two and zero against the Patriots and against Belichick. Um, do you know the one quarterback who's had a better record against Belichick than Cam Newton's two and zero? Ooh, Eli Manning. So Eli's three and two. And one of the oh, few okay. quarterbacks. One of the few quarterbacks with a winning record. There's like seven of them.
1: Mm. That would have been my first guess. Um, oh God, what's next? I mean, is it Peyton Manning? I mean, that, thats Peyton the maybe, next one you'd say, Peyton Manning. But that Peyton one just seemed too obvious. Yeah.
0: So Peyton's eight and twelve against Belichick. Yeah. So he, Peyton has the most wins, but like also the most losses. Yeah. Crazy, they played twenty times. Uh, think earlier. Think like mid two thousands. A team that we, you know, had never had good luck against. Uh, play, a play a play a playoff loss we I know we had against them
1: oh no it wasn't um Joe Flacco it's
0: not it's not Flacco what's Flacco's
1: oh I know uh, I'm ju- I'm jumping ahead I'm, I'm thinking Flacco Denver, Flacco's three and six, right now, he's three and not six.
0: There. Denver Denver's correct so who do you think the quarterback is that's the tricky part It's not Jake Cutler, is it? Uh not Cutler. I'll find Cutler while you're thinking about your last guess, then I'll let everyone know the answer. Cutler's one and three against the Patriots or against Belichick. Well I'm just thinking Denver quarterbacks back in that era. Yep. Before yep.
1: before that it was Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer three and zero against Belichick. I am not kidding. I mean I never would have gotten that in a million years unless you had said Denver. And even after you said Denver, I say like a guy who, you know, was their quarterback recently just because it popped into my head. And then uh, I think Cutler, but Cutler was later because that was when he had kind of taken, he took over for Plummer and then McDaniels,
0: McDaniels threw Plummer out of town. The the Oregon trade. Yeah, right. So Plummer was 3-0, 05 regular season, 05 playoffs, which you remember is a Champ Bailey game, um, and then 06 regular season. So three wins within, within a calendar year. Interestingly, Brian Greasy, also two and one against Belichick, which I would never have guessed. Um, never was no. one. I would not have got that one. I apologize for putting you through that. Here's an here's a, maybe an easier one. Who are the two quarterbacks with the worst record against Belichick? Uh, ooh. so one of them is one and eight, and the other one is zero oh six. And then there's two that are zero oh and five. One and 0 oh and six. Um. It's not that easy, actually, but I'll give you a couple seconds to try to guess. It's
1: not Mark Sanchez, is it?
0: Sanchez. uh, I'll find him. He had a couple wins against us, so um, it's not him. Where's the Sanchez? Where is the Sanchez? I should have really sorted this list better. Sanchez is three and six. Six. No, man. I can give it to you if you want. Yeah. All right. So two quarterbacks were 0-5 against Belichick. J.P. Lossman.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: and Carson Palmer. J.P. Lossman and Carson Palmer. A quarterback who's 1-8, and Phillip Rivers. That's crazy. Really? 1-8. and I never would have thought that. See when you
1: were when you were saying like who has the worst you know the, the when when you're saying who's the worst record against Belichick of yeah. any quarterbacks you immediately draw yourself to thinking of any yeah. New York Jets yeah. Buffalo Bill, or Miami Dolphin but yeah. they they had a revolving door of quarterbacks
0: you know throughout yeah they haven't even time. had so quarterbacks who played that many games yeah yeah they um, played you know that would have played seven or eight games against Belichick you know <laughs> and then the quarterback with the worst record oh six. And some would say maybe Belichick caused him to retire. Andrew Luck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Those are some big beatdowns, too. Those are not close Those games. Uh, but yeah, this is a fun list. I'll, I'll send it to you after. There's, yeah. there's a lot on here. Like, did you know that David Garrard was 0 3 against uh, Belichick? Um, but um, anyway, so I, I tangented that one pretty hard. But um, yeah, so, so Cam had some success in, in his two games against the Patriots. Um, it's interesting because when we talked about this when Brady signed with the Bucks, we did like who did we think were the three most likely starters opening day for the Patriots? And I think you had Stidham, Stafford, and Dalton, uh, and Dalton ended up going to the Cowboys. I had Stidham, Brissett, and then Jameis, and Jameis ended up going to the Saints. We talked about Newton. I don't think either of us thought that this would be the landing spot, but um, I think it's uh, it, it's 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 certainly something that. Um, Kind of high risk or low risk, high reward. Like this could work out really well. Um, He was, again, the NFL MVP just five years ago. Um, And it's, he hasn't really played in the last year and a half, two years with with the injuries that he's had. So it's the foot and the shoulder. And and I think one of our preseason games caused him one of those injuries. So if he's healthy, he's a winner. Um, And he gives us much better upside than simply having Stidham. Um, I think if he does get banged up, then you do have Stidham and God forbid Hoyer if you need to. So certainly, I don't expect him to play 16 games. Is a broader question of whether the NFL will even play 16 games. But um, I'm not sure I expect him to play 16 games. But the uh, the comparison that I, I think I made over text is uh, it's 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 different in many ways, but there's almost some similarities to to how Mike Vick was, um, you know, a mobile quarterback, someone who had a ton of early success with the Falcons in his career. He had other issues that caused him to leave the NFL for a couple of years. But then coming back with the Eagles, age 30 was his breakout season. And it might have been 2009 uh, or 2010. Um, and Cam, similarly, just 31, uh, been out of the league for a year and a half. Not out of the league, but like out of the starting game for the last year and a half with his injuries. And, you know, there, there definitely is, uh, is, is, is past precedent of someone coming back and succeeding for at least, you know, a couple more years. So, um, honestly, I'm, I'm excited about it. The uh, the question I have for you is: We both said Patriots probably nine and seven when we talked about um, where they could end up in the post Brady episode, and I think we had them slotted for the seventh seed. Thank you for that seventh seed. <laughs> um, I guess does what does the Newton signing do for you in terms of uh, does it change that prediction at all? I mean, it all comes down to his health, you know. But I mean,
1: that's with anybody, so you can't. Yeah, I mean, with a healthy Cam Newton, I think there's no. Uh, you know, and as long as he sinks with all you know, with all his receivers, you saw he's already working out with Mohamed Sanu, um, who, who, by all accounts, yeah. people say looks great. By the way, so maybe he's he's finally healthy and worth that second round pick that they that they gave up for him. Um, you know, I, I think there's no reason to think they couldn't creep to eleven and five. Um, you know, possibly something something in that. It's just the schedule yeah. is so tough. You know, I mean, you, you just look at. At, at, at the schedule that they have to play this year um that, that that's the that's the tough part um so I think it's gonna it everyone seems to be putting the Patriots back atop atop the AFC East um you know you know with Cam Newton and quarterback but I haven't looked at what the Buffalo Bills schedule is um I yeah. assume it's much easier than what the Patriots is even though they you know they're within the same division playing the same you know AFC and you know NFC divisions, but I I, I think there's I, nine and seven. I'd say best case eleven and five, but realistically maybe you get another win out of it just because of what the schedule is, and it's no fault to Cam Newton. That, that, but that might still be good enough to win the division um, because who knows what the, what the Bills are gonna do? Um, you know, I, you know, I, Josh Allen still has has a way to go to to prove himself. Um, you know, you'd like to see the B- Bills put together another year back to back. You know, they did add Stefan Diggs to to mm-hmm. their offense, but you know, I, I I think it's a it's it's a closer it's it, it is now a close mm-hmm. race I think between the Bills and the Patriots for for that AFC East crown. Um, and uh, but and, but it's not the slam dunk that I think a lot of people are saying it is with Cam and the fold.
0: Yeah, I, I probably still have them at nine seven, and maybe I feel a little bit better about it now. But I think. He, he he he's someone who can win a few games for you, but um, I also don't expect him to stay healthy given his recent track record. So you're probably seeing Stidham out there, and his Stidham's development stunted a little bit, probably with Cam taking first team snaps and Cam potentially starting. So I think it all balances out. But um, as you said, that the upside is, is definitely there. I mean, I don't see I don't see this team contending for a Super Bowl um, unless like Mahomes and Jackson catch COVID or something like that, um, because uh, and I hope that does not happen. But uh, I, I just I just think uh, this team is, is a significant step below those two teams. Um, I mean, I, th- I think this Patriots team can compete with, as you said, Buffalo, with Houston, um, with that kind of caliber of, of, of teams, certainly like the the Indies, the Pittsburghs, um, and, and teams at, at those levels. But I, I do see KC and Baltimore as, as the class above, and I don't really see the Patriots advancing – Beyond like making the playoffs, I think it'd be hard to go too much further than that.
1: Yeah, they're definitely that you know that 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 rung below Kansas City, below um, you know below Baltimore. Um, but there's no but but the rest of the rest of the you know the AFC it's wide open. They could easily be the you know the three seed in the AFC. Yeah, um, you true. know if that if that if that happened at the end of the year, you wouldn't be you know too surprised about that, and you would take that you know given with the only the one. The one first year on by now, um, you know, if you don't get that, everybody's playing, you know, on that on that first week. So um,
0: so we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see if there's football, first and foremost. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess we can bring it forward to to two sports that are trying to launch this month and, and everything that they're dealing with on the COVID side, which is baseball and basketball. I'll let you pick where you want to start. Um, maybe we start with the Red Sox and what's happening with baseball. Do we, do we well, think
1: it's
0: going to start in two weeks? I mean, it seems crazy. Um, you know, I, unless they've made I, – with all these
1: guys, and especially on the Red Sox side, there's, you know, there's, three, there's four guys who are probably going to be on their, you know, on their major league roster that tested positive coming into camp, the big one being Eduardo Rodriguez. Then you had Josh Taylor and Dar, uh, Darwins and Hernandez, who were talked about as two, you know, I wouldn't say huge parts of the bullpen, but components of the bullpen out there. Um, and then uh, Bobby Dalback who people expected to be on the major league roster in some capacity, um, you know, be it though, in a little bit more of a supporting role, but, you know, they, they make the, they make this argument when they're talking about how the NFL is going to get off the, how you have a, how you have a, for lack of a better term, a, a COVID squad or a COVID team. I mean, the Red Sox had what, 47, 48 guys planned yeah. to come to their major league camp. Um, you just gotta expand your rosters. Like, rosters are just gonna have to be expanded. It's basically you're gonna have to, you're basically gonna have to play this July, August, September, like you at least the level where, and they probably have to cap it, but your September call-ups that you see in September in Major League Baseball, that, that's what this 60 game season is gonna have to encompass if they're gonna be able to. You know, weather the storm of a guy testing positive because, you know, I, I think, I, I think they they have the plans in place that if a guy does test, test positive, you can certainly remove him from the bubble, from the team environment, and then he's, you know, you know he's 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 gone for a while. But if you have enough guys on your roster, I think you can weather it. It's just going to be, you know, a bit of a a bit of a watered down product. You know, some of these guys who have already opted out. Um, you know, I, I don't think that list is complete as far as, uh, you know, the David Price, the Ryan Zimmerman, Nick markakis mm-hmm. you know, three names to, to jump off the page of me. Um, that list is going to grow between now and July 23rd or 24th, you know, when the Red Sox open up at home against uh, the Baltimore Orioles are or
0: supposed to yeah, um, in front of an empty Fenway Park, which is going to be a little bit of an interesting sight to see. Um, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get on top of, uh, whatever the baseball tavern is now, maybe get, maybe maybe get my eyes on, on the stadium, but uh, no, I just,
1: I, I, I mean, I think it is possible. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm less optimistic about it than I was, you know, when the, when all these sports laid out their plans for a return, um, you know, they all have the plans on, on in place on, on paper, but paper isn't how the world works. So it, it, they're just going to have to have guys ready and in reserve. And, you know, it's going to be some guys who might not be playing. You know, there'll, there'll be some guys who wouldn't normally be playing in the heart of a pennant race that will be this year because of this.
0: Yeah, and I think baseball is the sport where maybe one individual maybe contributes uh, – even, even star players contributes the least. Like even if you have these star pitchers um, like a Blake Snell or a uh, name-whatever starter – you want, Jacob deGrom, like they're only out there every five days. Um, And even then you're probably only winning 75% of the games that they're starting in. And those are the starters. You have the trouts and the bets of the world that can, you know, as they try to approximate wins above replacement, it's like eight or nine wins, but these teams are winning 80 or 90 games. So um, I think it'll be weird just subbing out names that you hear for names that you don't hear. You're going to have guys who come in who maybe wouldn't be in the majors this year and have fluky 15 game sample sizes where they're hitting 400 uh, with 10 home runs uh, and really swinging some of these these (laughs) uh, results of the standings. So um, I think baseball with 162 games, it was always a lot of the randomness sorts itself out over six months of playing baseball every single night. So those people who wanted a shorter season will, will get a nice little snapshot of uh, around what happens, and maybe this chaos is, is an interesting thing, and maybe it makes it more exciting, because honestly, every team has a shot at the playoffs. Um, did they expand playoffs to eight teams this year? Per, per, uh, um, for me? I, I didn't I, follow what the decision was. I
1: thought, they, I thought they said the expanded playoffs wasn't happening, because that was okay. part of the, the proposal. I, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that. I will counter what you said, though, about how, um, you know, and just present a a different argument to it. Those starting pitchers you mentioned going out there every five days, but in a 60-game season, their starts are even more important now, aren't they? If you think about it, like, what are they going to start, 12 games, you know, out of the 60, you know, if you do do a normal five max, especially because you have less off days, um, you know, and a more condensed schedule trying to squeeze 60 games into, you know, what is it? Seventy days other, or something yeah, like the that? Just over two months. Yeah. I mean, I th- those those starts are going to be extremely extremely important. And with you know the situation with Ed Rod- Eduardo Rodriguez, how quick he bounces back from from um, you know or where he is in his battle with um, with co- with COVID, um, that, that's a hit to the Red Sox for sure. Like, can you name just a quick just to go on a quick tangent here. After him and Nathan Ivaldi, can you name another Red Sox starting pitcher?
0: Uh, sale Price Rodriguez Ivaldi. Okay, damn it. I mean, one of them is going to be starting for the Red Sox. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, Martin I,
1: Perez, who they signed in the offseason, he was geared to be their fifth starter. But after that, like. He's the number two? They're saying Brian Johnson, um, who's the name that's kicked around the organization. Oh, for Mr. A few Mr. Years Sixth now. starter. Yeah. Right. Mr. Sixth starter might be your third starter. Um,
0: I mean, there's gonna be a lot of
1: bullpen talk, games. <laughs> oh, you're gonna see a lot of openers, a lot of openers, and probably not necessarily. And the Red Sox won't be alone in that. You know, there's gonna be no. a a lot of teams doing that. It's just gonna be such a different season from that, from, from yeah. you know, from that <laughs> standpoint. Can you reloot Can you use your relievers a little bit more? And, and maybe that's a recipe for success. Yeah, because it's only a 60-game season, not 162. You know, that's yep. the biggest thing they worry about, you know, uh, with especially, especially with relief pitchers is burning their arms out.
0: I mean, can yep. you use them a bit more? You and know, can I you have, have a guy pitch 40, 40 innings? Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. Probably. It's going to be interesting. Uh, how do you feel about all the Red Sox home games taking place at 730 start time? Am I an old man now? I was, I was angry about that. Is that is that yeah, unjustified? That, that, I mean –
1: the reason they the reason they did it made sense, and they're trying to maximize viewership because people are more settled in at 7:30. But let's wrap it up. I mean, these are games home. last people, three hours, right? And most people are working from home anyway, so it's not like they're driving home from work when work is over. Put that five. shit
0: on at 6 p.m. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and especially if you want to tap into the younger generation that are going to watch baseball, and you're going to have for a week, you're going to be the only the only game in town until the NBA kicks off, until the NHL kicks yeah. off. Take advantage of it, you know. Play the games in the afternoon, you know. I why I mean, why even wait till six? Yeah. Most people are home, most people are home anyway. Yeah, it's it's well, really some, And and less people are outside doing summer activities because some yeah. are handling this different ways than others and feel the need to actually stay home. So give yeah. people something to watch during the day. You know, I I, I that, that didn't make any sense to me. Um, I I I mean.
0: I almost want to say I see the logic, but I don't see it as being logic at all. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just continues baseball's like decision-making this whole time where they could have had this entire summer. Um, and, yes, COVID, who knows what will actually be happening. But if, if they were thoughtful about it, they could have had these games already starting um, and, and really owning the summer in a way that could have brought baseball back to the forefront. And now who even knows when you have guys like Mike Trout wondering whether he's even going to play. And for him, it's like expecting a child. Like, he doesn't want to go into a bubble for three months, um, yes. so I understand his logic. Um, so yeah, it's it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how how this plays out. But yeah, I saw that. I'm like, really, guys. Like I I, I was expecting seven, but to even bump it later, seven thirty. I might not watch an end of a Red Sox game, like if if everything's happening at seven thirty. Like I don't know, it's crazy.
1: And 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 even so, like even with you know we haven't had sports for four months or whatever it is, and. Yes, it's a condensed 60-game season, but are people still going to sit down and watch all nine innings of every of, of all 60 Red Sox games or Yankee games or Met games or whatever team you're a fan of? No, you're not. But if you started at 6 o'clock, say, like you, like yeah. you said, for example, your late innings are occurring around exactly. the 8.30, 9 o'clock time where people are sitting in front of their TV and winding down. Exactly. You know, and that makes a lot more sense. You're going to at least get the viewership in that part in your 6, 7, 8, 9th innings, you know, and, yeah. People will watch if it's in that time slot, but people aren't going to stay up till 10:30 to watch, uh, you know, the late innings of a baseball game.
0: Yeah, and these fans in the 18 to 34 range that you want to capture—they're not watching three hours. They're watching one hour, and you want to watch them. You want them to watch the first three innings, or do you want to watch the, have them watch the last three innings? And uh, I don't know. I I'd rather have them watch the last three innings and have some suspense, have some drama, opposed to which opener is starting this game for higham Bloom's Red Sox. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. That being said, if the Red Sox get off to a good start, I'll probably be a lot more dialed in than I certainly was last season, which was uh, a pretty, pretty tough, pretty tough to see how how things unfolded um, for the Red Sox. But you know, we won in 18, so I guess we can't complain too much. Right. And, and back to the schedule,
1: back to the scheduling thing. Like you look at you, you know, you you look at what, how the other sports are doing it. Um, you know, you've got the NBA starting games as early as one o'clock some days in Love the middle it. of the week Love on it. Tuesday. Love it. You have the NHL just announced their plan where they have the sites in Edmonton and Toronto, where you have 12, four and eight in each, each spot. And there's an hour time change each, each. each. So the viewership for the hockey junkie, that doesn't include you and me, but people are going to love it. Like this is just, it, it presents a situation. You gotta, you gotta get the most out of the situation you're presented with. I feel the NBA and the NHL are doing that. Um, you know, basically running 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 a, summer league schedule or, uh, or the NBA yeah. is scheduled similar to this basketball tournament, which I've turned into a couple of times, you know, which yeah. is actually not terrible basketball, but you know, yeah. following up, following that, as opposed to playing all your games, you know, late It it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. Yeah. And, and
0: as we evolve into, um, the NBA, I think one thing that we talked about maybe on a pod or maybe not is like you could on NBA TV, you could make this a March Madness style, uh, NFL red zone style, like you have games, endings overlapping with starts. Like you, you can, if they want to, they could have like an NBA TV command center and show a bunch of, end of ends of these games and really suck people in, as you said, who are home anyway and have already exhausted their Netflix cues uh, and don't have too much more. I mean, they, they, they obviously have to catch them on Unsolved some mysteries, but once they get through those, those episodes, <laughs> like they will be, they will be looking for content. So uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And maybe the NBA
1: is going to set up to do something like that with the last couple of days of these seeding games. You know, if, if yeah. it comes down to a situation where teams are battling for the eighth spot or, you know, you have, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the four or the five, something come down to a four or five seed, um, you know, or even a three, four seed where you can avoid, you know, the, the, that number one seed until the final, because you know, that's all it is. It's got yeah. nothing to do with home court right now. It's just getting the best matchup that, you know, that, that you want. Um, you know, with, with the neutral site. And maybe the NBA, if you look at the NBA schedule, they have national TV affiliates attached to all games through August 12th. The 13th yeah. and 14th, they have nothing. And all the times are TBD. And maybe you get what you want there. Maybe they're planning, a, you know, a, a you know, just a roundabout mm-hmm. kind of March Madness style if there are games that actually mean something. And there probably will be, for seating purposes, yeah. you know, down the line. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, so maybe I the NBA is planning – yeah and maybe the NBA is planning to do something like that so
0: yeah love it love it um I guess where where's your thought on the NBA I mean I think the bubble has its pros and its cons I think I'm a lot more optimistic about it succeeding and certainly there will be folks who catch it and they have to manage manage that mm-hmm. but I think they're just in a much better spot because it is the end of the season you have what like two weeks of games before you get into the playoffs and players are just much more amped up when, when you have games that mean a lot more, whereas I think baseball, it's trickier just starting from scratch. It's just, it just feels overwhelming to to start the season with COVID in your mind versus the NBA. It's like this unfinished painting where you're so close to getting to the end of it. And I think that'll give some nice momentum to move things forward. So I, I know everything that's happening in Florida does not bode well compared to maybe a month ago when um, they were optimistic that this could be a, a place to host everything, but um, I think they have their act together, and I think, I, I, I mean, I'm reading the news like everyone else, like the Milwaukee Bucks shutting down their practice facility, and it seems like a lot of teams are like, all right, let's just get everyone to Orlando with, with as few people infected as possible, and then uh, try, try to get things going as best they can, and use these intro games. I mean, yes, seating does matter, but for the most part, use these games to play your way into, into shape, and hopefully have things rounding into form by the time the playoffs come around.
1: And it's probably a smart move by the bucks and I know they said what five or six teams did something similar um, and it's and it's it's a smart thing to do even if it's just one even if it's just one player or say one coach or something like that it, it, by the time they get to Orlando they're still going to have three weeks you know to you know to you know to do their training camp within within the bubble down there um, yeah. so I think it was the it was certainly the smart thing you know for those teams to do um, you know, you, you, you'll just, the positive tests are inevitable. You know, Adam Adam Silver's already come out and said that, you know, that that's something that's, you know, likely to happen. Um, it's just, you know, at, at, at what level does it occur? Um, you know, he, he even kind of casting a bit of a shadow of doubt, probably trying also to manage expectations a little bit, you know, by, oh, yeah. by you know, telling people, hey, we've got this great plan in place. And by all accounts, they do. From what you read about it, um, they certainly put a lot of time into it, but um, you know, it's it's not you know what you what you have on paper isn't impervious to, to the coronavirus at all. So um, I'm anxious just to see how you know the the big thing will be the three weeks leading up to when the games actually start, um, yeah. because I think if you can if you can if you can get that hurdle and the number of positive tests are limited, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape, um, and then it will just be how much, you know? Do you, know, you, you know a lot of you know you'd have the Joel Embiid's um, of the Worlds, and and you've heard in other sports too, in Major League Baseball, just the uh, the veteran players are more concerned with the um, with the younger players in the league and adhering to the bubble. And I think that is that is mm-hmm. some some sort of a concern. Um, you know, the the, the uh, extracurricular activities of professional athletes um, in any sport, um, you know, I think are well documented and that this presents a challenge to that for them to adhere to the rules, you know, of the bubble. We'll see if that happens. Um, yeah. I mean, if it, it doesn't, if, if it doesn't, well. if it doesn't, they're not going to get through. So
0: yeah, I mean, you, you see with our country too that those who are 20 are more likely to engage in riskier activities than those who are 30, and then of course like 40 and up. Um, it's funny here where Joe Embiid, Embiid is what like 25 years old um, as a as a as a more elder uh, statesman from his perspective, um, but of course he's just be playing video games and eating cheeseburgers, as we talked about. Um, 25 going but, uh, on 35 too with, yeah, how, yeah, with, yeah. With, with, with how his with how his body is. It's not easy in 7'3, but um no. yeah I think I think at least with the NBA I mean there's there's if you're in that bubble in Orlando there's less you can potentially get yourself into whereas with MLB like you're still traveling to these ballparks you're you're still in these cities a lot of these cities um, in parts of the country are are more open than others and um, I think that the the risk to me feels a lot more. With, with baseball traveling around opposed to everyone at least locked down. Of course, if someone gets it in the NBA and everyone's locked down, then you have to be really careful about one of these super spreader where, you know, a large portion of the league gets it. And then all of a sudden, like everything's on pause. And the, the timeline's already pretty tight to try to get something to a good place. Um, by, by like, what, what are they saying? Like mid early to mid October is when they're trying to end the season. Like it's already pretty tight. They can't really go much past that. So, um, you know, they're, they're hoping to limit that for sure, and hopefully things get to a good spot.
1: Yeah,
0: and, you know,
1: if if there anything comes to a situation where they have to halt the season, you know, like you said, speak into the timeline of being done with this season and looking forward to next, you either, you're either done, done, or you have to make modifications. And whether they have plans in place to shorten the first round of the playoffs or early rounds of the playoffs to make up any time that might be lost, <laughs> um, you know, who knows? I mean, I'm sure they have different scenario, uh, um, you know, one subsection ABC, two subsection ABC of plans of how to go, uh, go about everything. Um, it, it'll, it, it it all depends just how many guys do end up testing positive and, you know, if they can keep that number low. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that, that's, that's the key to this all, and we won't know until they actually get there and they start playing against each other yeah it'll be interesting
0: um i guess what do you want to talk about some of the games that you're you're excited for as we take a more optimistic approach and uh, hope that by the time july 30th comes around that these games will actually be happening
1: i think so yeah i mean uh yeah i mean you you looked up and down the schedule there's a lot of there's there's some you know how the schedule felt there's a lot of some big games with some with definitely some um seeding ramifications in them and then just other ones just that'll be good matchups because they're certainly the top, you know, top talent, top teams in the league. So how um, do you want to do this? Do you want to go each, each day of these play-ins and pick a sure. game and yeah, limit our limit ourselves to one Celtic game
0: piece? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe we alternate where you take day one and I take day two. Correct. Um, yes, 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 yes. All right. You want to kick off want- on, uh, on, on opening night or you want me to take that one?
1: I mean, you, you're just making it easy for everyone to go first. Uh, you have the Lakers and, uh, Clippers uh be p.m. on the first day. Uh, the warm-up back. Hey, Zion, Z- Z- Z-
0: Zion versus the Jazz isn't that either. But yeah, yeah,
1: right. You're going to have plenty of times to check in, to check out and see how uh, Zion Williamson looks. I think I heard something the other day that he's been somehow able to work out at the Pelicans facility throughout the yeah. entirety of the pandemic. I don't know how. I don't know because it was coming off his injury. I, 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 I got to look into how that was possible. But they say he's in great shape because he's been able to be at the facility ever since this thing started. Um, So we'll have plenty of times to see what came about uh, his four months in the Pelicans facility all by himself. Um, But definitely, you know, uh, Clippers, Lakers, uh, first look at the Lakers without Avery Bradley, who started a bunch of games for them, you know, you know, uh, during the regular season, actually was a regular starter for them. Um, J.R. Smith, um, thank you to the basketball gods for some entertainment, has thrown J.R. Smith into the, um, the restart of the NBA with his old teammate, LeBron James. In the oh, Lakers. Who, so we'll who would have
0: thought that after two <laughs> years ago?
1: <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's a real exciting matchup, um, you know, to kind of get everyone going. You sure that – I, I can't – yeah, if this – if the games do happen, um, I think the viewership of that game is going to be through the roof. Yeah. 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Um, yeah, some people would say the two best teams in the NBA are at least two of the top three. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's an easy choice. 30th. Love it.
0: Love it. All right. So 31st. I'll take this one Friday night. Um, I'll use my Celtics one here. Uh, Celtics versus <laughs> Bucks. They were supposed to play um, right before. I think Celtics were in Milwaukee when the league shut down. So now yeah. we'll get to see see them back in action against the Bucks um, on ESPN, 6.30 p.m. July 31st. I'll be at my TV. I think you will be as well. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, of course I'll be right at the TV. Um,
1: <laughs> what, else excited. what else are we going to do? Yeah. Um, I, I still don't – yes, that's exciting. But to me, it's almost like the outcome of that game, it's going to be the first game for both teams. The rest factor there is going to be incredible for the root. The Celtics should win that game by 20 or 30, and it would almost give you like a false sense of confidence. Um, you know, and then I, I, I just don't think you're going to be able to gauge anything from either of those teams after one game. I almost kind of wish they were playing a little bit later you know, in the playing schedule as opposed to the first game right out, right off the
0: bat. But I know it'll be, it'll
1: be entertaining nonetheless.
0: All right. All you August
1: 1st, go August 1st, um, Philadelphia and Indiana, the one game that's not being carried on ESPN, which is, um, kind of surprising to me, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> on that day. If you look, there's five games that day for the other four are being carried by ESPN. But, um, and also, there's a little bit of a ramification here for our Celtics. Right now, uh, these teams are tied in, fi- in the five and six spot. I think the yep. Pacers may be by percentage points ahead of the Sixers. Um, so this is a this is a this is a, a, a game with some seeding implications right out right out of the gate. And then selfishly for us in the Celtics, um, I, I think with Victor Oladipo already saying he's not going to be playing as part of the restart. Did I see that correctly? Yeah, um, yep. you know, with him being out, um, avoiding Philadelphia in the first round for the Celtics, I think is still something that's important. So um, that's a game to keep your eye on as you kind of watch that, um,
0: you know, that 5-6 spot in the, uh, in the East. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I think what I read is that, the, and I haven't, I haven't looked at this myself, but I've, what I read is that the Sixers have one of the easier schedules. Um, so I think between that and the All-Depot news, I would expect them move to, to five. Um, but then again, Indiana has surprised us in the past. But hey, if we're the three, Indiana's the six. I don't mind that. We saw how that went last year. Four games, let's move on. Um, mm-hmm. And I know we went to the Celtics win over the Sixers, which was only five months ago and feels like five years ago. Um, but let's, let's, let's wait on them for a couple of rounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. All right, my turn. Uh, I'm not going to take Blazers Celtics on August 2nd because I can't because I'm only allowed one. You're Although I did have tickets, I did have to that game, and I'm sad that uh, I will not be seeing Game livered in action. Uh, I will take another Bucks game, Bucks Rockets. Uh, that'll be that's always fun to see see those two in action, and uh, we'll see see how Houston does given the burden they put on Westbrook, Harden, and honestly the rest of the team uh, given how small that lineup is. We'll see how they do in a shortened season it um, feels like things could go in either direction. But uh, always fun to see how Houston will, will stack up. I know they were, they were probably a little worn down by the time the season paused after that big winning streak. I think they were a little worn down. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they do um, once, we, once we kick things back off. Yeah, a battle of uh,
1: two unstoppable offensive players. Like who, who in the Rockets is going to stop Giannis? And who on the, uh, the Bucks is really going to stop you know, Harden? you know, uh, it'll be, it'll be a fun shootout, I think, between, between both teams. Um, you know, look a little bit at the Rockets, you know, kind of in this, you know, in this restart, I mean, it's, it's really not a condensed schedule, but, you know, in a situation where you're playing neutral site games and you have someone with the capability Mm -hmm. of James Harden to be able to go off like that. Um, you know, and we all know what, you know, Russell Westbrook can do as well. Um, it pains me to say because you know of my dislike for, you know, Mr. Retread on their sideline there, uh, Mike yeah. D'Antoni. But um, watch out for the Rockets kind of in the restart NBA is a team to watch out West that could potentially make a run a little bit further than people might think just because of what their offensive firepower is. Yes, like you said, that smaller lineup going to be very interesting to see how, how that will work. But as yeah. far as their offensive talent goes um, – you know, and, and just in, in a game – just this whole dynamic of games being played in these neutral sites, um, Houston might be a team that benefits from that. But, yeah, for sure. Um, August 3rd, I guess it's my turn, huh? Um, here's here's my first Zion game, Memphis and New Orleans in the battle for the, uh, the eighth seed. First, mm. you get a look at, um, you a look at Zion – John Morant, um, Zion Williamson. Um, Two teams that I think is going to be a uh, to watch who's going to sneak into that eight spot in the uh, in the West is going to be fun. I think between those teams and then Portland as well. I think those are your three realistic teams that could um, potentially be be the eight seed. Um, and you have two of them playing right off the bat. And this won't be the last time I talk about Memphis or about this, but um, you know, Celtics have Memphis's draft pick this year, so them falling. Um, out of the playoff picture and back into the lottery picture, um, albeit the chances for the top lottery, uh, one of the top three Mm -hmm. spots would be very small.
0: Um, You're still giving yourself a chance. You never know. You never know. I mean, Pelicans went way up. Lakers went way up last year. So you never know. Um, And we haven't had great lottery luck, although we did get number one in the Tatum draft. So I guess we can't um, hate on ourselves too badly. But uh, it's always nice to have more of those lottery balls, for sure. Um, August 4th. I'm getting all the same teams. I forgot that these teams play every other day. So that's why I'm like trying (laughs) to not repeat. I'm going to take the Nets and the Bucks. One, it's a a one thirty start time, which I I think is a great start time. And second, I don't know if the Nets are going to have any players for this game. So it might just be uh, five on three. Because I think half their team was tested positive for COVID. I think Prince was the most recent one. In addition to, uh, uh, I I know uh, DeAndre Jordan tested positive. There, there were two other players too. I forget. Um, you may have better mem- memory than me, but, but we'll see how, how, how many, it doesn't seem like the Nets are really taking her. Oh, uh, witty. I think tested positive. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how the Nets, if the Nets are taking this comeback seriously, I know between Ky- Kyrie and Durant basically saying they wouldn't be playing anyway. Uh, probably a weird thing. And the interim coach, there's just a lot going on with that team. So I, if the Celtics somehow do, Rise up and pass Toronto and get the two seed in the Nets of the seven. That's another matchup I would not mind having in the first round, even though I did go to that game where Karis LeVert scored about 50 points in the fourth quarter, um, and it was a terrible loss right before COVID hit. But um, that'll be one I'll, I'll be watching that day. He's the he's the, he's the the one glimmer of hope for the Nets right yeah, now. He's um, a good player. You
1: know, on their roster, you know, he is for sure. Um, a p- possible 1-8 first-round matchup there in the That's Eastern it. Conference playoffs before. I think, you know, with, with every, I mean, you don't know, but with everything, with all the guys bowing out on the net side, you um, kind of like Orlando, especially against, since they're, you know, don't travel very far. They're the ones kind of, you know, I mean, everyone's in this bubble. I mean, it's not like they're living at home, but um, you'd kind of like Orlando to move up to that seven spot. And it'd be a kind of a fight between Brooklyn and even Washington. I know we've been, you know, yeah, joking that Washington has no chance, but, With everything that Brooklyn's going through, Washington just as good a chance as them. But I I think you're looking at a, you're you're getting a preview of a of the one versus eight slaughter in the first round. I think, um, yeah, on this uh, on this one thirty game on this Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. All right, what do you got on the Wednesday game? Fifth. Um, All right, here we go. And here's an interesting. I'm going to pick an interesting one. I don't know if you're looking at the matchups in front of you. Um, I'm going to go Philadelphia and Washington for this. Okay. One. I'm going to tell you why. Tell because me why. Because we will be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games into this. Uh, well, seven days into this. Um, you're going to find out here, I think, what team the Philadelphia 76ers are. They're going to have a few games under their belt. Um, you're going to see what kind of shape Joel Embiid is in. Um, you're going to see what Al Horford looks like as far as how he's moving. Um you're going to see uh, obviously a healthier Ben Simmons, you know, now see where he is. Everyone, by all intents and purposes, he's, and by all accounts, he's, he's healthier than he was where he was questionable for the playoffs. They said, um, you know, had the pandemic not happened, but I think just you're going to get a real, this is going to be your first true look at are the Philadelphia 76 is a threat in the Eastern conference um, after being an overwhelming favorite coming into the season. Um and kind of the you know the up and down season they've had, um, obviously a great home team, terrible road team. Do you like in a do you like in a a, a neutral environment to more of a road game situation? You probably do. So, you know, I, I think this is a first good barometer of where the Sixers stand um, against the team
0: in Washington who's fighting for their playoff lives, um, essentially down their two best players, of course. Yeah, and, and to build on that point, I think one thing you're going to see take on greater importance is coaching um, with all the crazy factors at play. I don't think either of us are optimistic about Brent Brown, even though, you know, a new England guy, we always like new England guys Uh, much or we're super optimistic about his ability to, to keep that team together. Um, For my pick for the next day, feeding off that point um, uh, on Thursday, August 6th, I'm taking the Clippers and the Mavericks, which are two teams that do have coaching in a really good spot. Um, I think Doc Rivers is, is one person that I would look to, to, to have a team together running on all cylinders, um, especially a team with uh, Kawhi and Paul George and Williams and, and the talent that they have there. Uh, and then Dallas with Rick Carlisle, someone who's been there. Um, we, we make our jokes about his quick timeouts, but he's definitely someone who uh, is, has a track record of, of, of taking teams maybe a little bit further than they were expecting. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Doncic and, and Porzingis continue to come together with those kind of two, two twin towers out there. Um, So that's the game I'm looking at. It looks like there'll be a seven seed Dallas and whoever gets a two in the West, I would not want to play them in the first round. So we'll see, we'll see how that shakes out. Those seeding games really do matter out there. They do. Um, That leads us to uh, August
1: 7th. Um, I'm going to use my Celtic pick right here. Um, Celtics Raptors game of the night. Um, Game of the day. You would say, I mean, I think we're pretty safe saying that the Celtics are locked into the three Toronto's locked into the two. I mean, eight games is not a lot. However, if the – say the Raptors are up to a slow start and the Celtics come out of the gate, um, you know, to this point, winning all of their games or all but one, um, this, is a, this is a huge game uh, because I think the winner has the tiebreaker if both teams end up tied. I think if I'm, if I'm correct on that. Um, yeah, you get so, so this could be, depending how the Raptors start off, depending how both teams start off, um, there could be some serious seeding implications where you're playing a much lesser team, you know, in, in the first round um, in the two slot, I think, as opposed to the three, Um, you know, nothing to do with home court advantage. Just really, just, um, just really who are you going to play, you know, in that first round is, is Brooklyn going to hold on to that seven seed, um, you know, kind of stay there just (laughs) by them playing well or by Orlando, not performing Orlando, not performing well enough to be able to catch up. Um, you know that that, that's, oh, yeah. that that could possibly be a game you know for the two seed, and then also um, you know another thing too. It's kind of just a it's a it's a it's a preview of uh, a potential semifinal matchup between both teams.
0: Yeah, um, that that'll that'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's like if the Celtics win, they get the tiebreaker. But if the Celtics lose, then maybe there's no tiebreaker, but we're too far back, or it's not even gonna matter. It's something something like that. But uh, yeah, they got to win to have any shot at that um flipping to saturday the 8th um on this oh and, and and yeah that that friday night game that's a nine o'clock tnt one so that might be a uh, at least with my new schedule with uh six week old that might be a uh, dvr and then flip that on in the middle of the night when i'm up and, and kind of catch the end a <laughs> little fourth quarter action so uh, I'll, I'll have that look forward to um let's see saturday the 8th um I'm going to go Utah, Denver. So two teams we don't typically see on TV because they're always playing at 10:30 PM, a nice little 3:30 uh, start time. And these are two teams that could go in lots of different directions. Um, I saw them both in person this year. Um, Jokic, obviously with the positive test, we'll see how that goes. I think Utah, the big question is with Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, some tension there. We'll see how that plays out. Um, we'll see how Quinn Sider does keeping that team together. Um, you know, Conley played well the game I was at, but has been up and down this season. So, those are two teams that could go in either direction. It'll be interesting to see how they're doing about a week into post-COVID uh, back in action.
1: Yeah, no, you like you said, you never really stay up to watch Utah-Denver, um, but um, that would be a, a good matchup that day. The uh, Clipper-Portland game that day also a good one. So you got a, a couple sure. of good. You got a really good. Yeah. You got a really good slate there on TNT Saturday. Uh, they, they timed that, that one well. That, they timed that really, really well with Milwaukee, Dallas at night on ESPN. So um, yeah, that's a that's a real good one. Uh, the ninth um, of August. I'm going Memphis, Toronto. Um,
0: right. Toronto watch continues. Toronto watch
1: continues. The Toronto and Memphis watch. Pat, pick pick the lesser of two pick, evils yeah, here. Yeah, true. Pick the lesser true. of two evils. Toronto winning, so you're solidifying the Celtics being in the three and playing true. the Pacers or even possibly the Sixers, depending on how the Sixers perform, or, uh, you know, do you want Memphis to win, which means that your draft pick is going to be terrible. So, you, I mean, pick the lesser of two evils here in this game. That's why this one kind of stuck off, jumped off the
0: schedule at me. I mean, with Memphis, it's either you get 10 lottery balls or you get zero. So, it's not, right. it's not as big as if they were going to be as bad as we thought they were. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that'll be an interesting one. I think I would probably be rooting for – this year, so I'll root for Memphis probably in that one to give us a better spot. But we'll know after the seventh, the Boston-Toronto game, whether or not we need to be rooting hard against Toronto or if that ship has already sailed.
1: I think I'm kind of violating my own rule here. I said we only took one Celtic game, but we're making a Celtic connection basically in every single one of these. <laughs> or at least counts. I am. I guess, I'm more still, I guess I'm more guilty about that than you are.
0: still counts. I'm anyway. just looking at the same teams yep. every week. So I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to not repeat. Um, I'll repeat this one. Monday night. Uh, Lakers Nuggets will be my first Lakers game, so let's see how LeBron and company are, are doing, um, and if they're if they're hitting hitting their hitting where they need to be. And, and Denver, you know, could be a second round matchup out there. Uh, Lakers Denver, a little preview right there. So another nine o'clock game, meaning I'll watch the fourth quarter at you know two a.m. or whenever I'm up uh, with the bottle. So that'll be a fun one. The mm-hmm.
1: uh, eleventh, Portland Dallas. Um, you know, this is uh, this one just. It's just merely seeing uh, Dame and CJ going up against, uh, you know, Doncic and Porzingis here. Um, you know, just, you know, some uh, – this is just from a pure talent standpoint, I think going to be a real fascinating matchup to see these two going against each other. Portland definitely playing for their playoff lives. Um, definitely has, I think, the talent to get into that eight spot. And certainly the, the team of the three that I think the Los Angeles Lakers would want to see the least um yeah by far in that eight spot eight spot yeah. given given uh, the player that dame lillard is and um, yeah just uh, um uh, cj mccollum can yeah. also you know begin to play at a different level as well so yeah um that'll be that that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch especially with portland playing for what they have
0: for. yeah at that point you'll get a sense of whether they're close enough to get into a playing game um yeah. and fighting to get within four games of memphis so that'll be interesting to watch um Wednesday the 12th, only four games this day. So I have a short slate, but it's pretty obvious which one I want. Toronto, Philly, um, ESPN 630, rematch of that crazy Kawhi game last year, game seven, where he took about 40 shots, including the game winner. No Kawhi this year, but um, this will matter a lot for seeding, both potentially Celtics, but probably not. I, I think we'll be the 3 they there'll be the two. But definitely for Philly, like will they move up to that five? Will that give us Indy at the six? Um, it'll be interesting to watch that. So Toronto, Philly, bank that one. We'll see what shape Embiid's in. Uh, after having two weeks to play himself into better shape at that point, and whether Ben Simmons uh, has has done any shooting uh, during this this, this quarantine and, and whether his three-point shot is, is uh, anything to look at. It'll be interesting to see that as well. Yes. Um, Thursday the 13th. Uh, this one's tough because, again, like you
1: said, we're getting down to where we're repeating. Um, and I'm just kind of looking at a game that could actually mean something, and one yeah. that probably could mean something for sure. Um, is the New Orleans-Orlando game. Um, mm-hmm. and you got the Pelicans looking to try to get into, uh, you know, that playing situation. And you have Orlando trying to maybe move out of that eight spot to avoid Milwaukee, you know, in the first round. Um, so you got two teams playing for something, albeit at the bottom of the of the standings in both the East and the West. Um, but uh, I think at this point, that's what – this is, this is kind of what the NBA wants. This is what yeah. you were kind of alluding to in your – um, March Madness kind of style, jump around kind of thing. Um, you know, this this Pelicans magic matchup could be, could be, um, could certainly be one of those games that they could, uh, you know, theoretically jump around to, <laughs> to, uh, yep. to see how the playoff picture is shaping up.
0: Yep. I think so. I think there's a lot of good games that day. And um, with our last, last game of the season, Friday the 14th, um, I think similarly, I'm, I'm taking a game that has double playoff ramifications. Miami, Indiana. Um, we'll see. Is Miami the four? Do they move off that spot? Indy. Do they? Uh, are they the five or the six? There's a lot that could potentially be decided that game. And um, there's no other. There's no other seating implications for anyone going closer to the eight seed. Like you have a couple other good games there, like Philly, Houston, OKC, Clippers, and Denver, Toronto. So all playoff teams. Um, so Miami, Indy, I think will have the biggest seating implications, and will be a fun Friday night to end the. Uh, the seeding games portion of the schedule on before we move into uh, the next phase of uh, of uh, the, the actual playoffs, which um, I think we'll be very ready for by then. We will. Um,
1: you know, I think this, this whole seeding game situation, I think just provides something that we haven't seen before. And let's just, I mean, let's hope we never see it again, but it'll be just, it's going to just be a, Totally different dynamic. It's, it, it's, it's, it's summer league with better basketball, real uniforms and uh, you know, just games that actually mean something, um, you know, for sure. Indeed. So Let's hope it happens. Um, Everyone wear
0: your masks, stay socially distant, Let, let's be smart out there. I want to see, I want to see these games in action. I want to see, I want to see Jason Tatum. I want to see hopefully a healthy Kemba Walker. I want to see what Jalen Brown does. Um, I want to see, how Marcus Smart takes his defense to the next level. Um, there's so much out there I want to see from both the Celtics fan and an NBA fan. Like what happens with LeBron after his eight straight NBA finals in last year stopping that streak? What happens this year? Can they get through that gauntlet in the West? Can Can Giannis take his team to the NBA finals or um, is, is, is someone sneak in um, whether it be Toronto, the Celtics or Philly or another team, even Miami, they, they, they have some they have some uh, ability there too with Butler and, and the rest of the crew there. So uh, I really want the season to happen and, It would be great to jumpstart it a couple weeks away. Let's just be smart as a country and hopefully we get to see some good basketball.
1: I've got one final question for you before we go here. Um, And and you hit on four players there when talking about the Celtics and what you're interested to see.
0: I did not mention Gordon uh, Hayward,
1: but keep going. (laughs) So that's what I'm going to ask you about. So he uh, came out over the weekend and this is something I think you and I both were thinking about and just commonsensical. And you being a, uh, a new dad yourself, myself being a somewhat new dad, um, how do you feel about what he said? What, what, is your posi- what is your position on Gordon Hayward leaving the bubble? Let's say his wife's due in September. Let's just say hypothetically it's September 15th. What round of the playoffs is that? That's probably what the Houston Conference the end, the, pre-
0: start, the end of the semifinals. End the end of the semifinals.
1: The Celtics are still playing when he leaves the bubble. What are your what are your thoughts there?
0: I mean, uh, you have it's to support not, the it's decision. A, it's
1: a, it's an un, it's an unfair yeah. question, I know. But Yeah, I mean you have
0: to you, you have to support the decision. Um, I think it's going to be talked about when it happens yeah. though. I, I it mean, sounds like she, Tracy is going back to, I think, Indiana, uh, Indianapolis where her family is. So she'll have support during the last month or two of the pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think he had three daughters. This will be his first son. Um, totally support his decision to be there. I think what gets interesting is I think the amount of time he's gone from the bubble will dictate how long he has to quarantine before he comes back in. Um, and hopefully the birth is successful and um, he's tested every day when he's out of the bubble and those tests all come back negative as someone who was in the hospital during the days of COVID uh, there was a lot going on in the hospital. So hopefully he stays a little distant while he's in the hospital and doesn't walk around um, or any of that stuff. But uh, you know, it's next man up. Uh, and I think the Celtics have, have shown that they've been able to win without one of those five key guys in at all times. So you have to look for folks like Grant Williams or um, you know, Maybe, maybe even like a Javante Green stepping up and playing a key role that, that you didn't think going into, going into this part of the, the playoffs that, that they would have to play. Um, so supportive of the decision, it's going to happen. I'm hopeful the Celtics will continue to be playing, but you can imagine a game six, game seven against uh, you know Toronto. You might not have your, your swing man, your $30 million swing man for those games. So they haven't said the day in September, and there's probably a reason why they haven't. If I could be selfish, hopefully it's like a game one or game two either against a Toronto or against a Milwaukee or against a Philly or a Miami at some point later in the playoffs where you have some time to recover from, but uh, you know, got to support the man being there. Um, hopefully he's just able to the extent that it's a healthy birth. Hopefully he's able to get back and um, suit up well as sooner than later and not have to spend a week quarantining. And um, you know, he's had such a crazy three years as a member of the Celtics. I think more than anything, he just wants to to, to play a big role um, in the playoffs and help this team do well. And, he showed us last year against Indiana when he's playing at the top of his game, what he can do in the playoff environment. Uh, and similarly with Utah previously. Um, so I have no doubt that he can be a key contributor. I just hope he's able to, 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 to stay healthy first of all, and then, um, you know, come, come back post successful birth and, and and be in a position where he can continue to contribute. I agree with you.
1: Um, I'm, I'm with you on it hundred percent. That was my first thought too. And I've, you know, really kind of stuck by it. Um, I should have been met with some met with some people who feel the other way, which I thought was interesting. But anyway,
0: my, I don't know my how you can go and and say, say that. that. I mean, I don't know how you can no. go
1: and say that. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> I well, my, my question to you though is, and I I don't know if I've seen the rules on this or if they even put them out there. But even if he does test negative, say throughout the time he's gone and he tests negative the minute he gets back, isn't there a period of time once you leave
0: you have to you're out whether you're testing negative or not? Yeah, I think it's shorter if he's gone for a shorter period of time and he's testing every day. I think it's a shorter time he has to wait before coming back in. Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't have to. It wouldn't be two weeks. It would be like a couple days. But they're gonna have the to do this on two the, games. That could be two. That could be I two mean, games in the playoff series. They might they have to use, do this on the fly. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens. Um, it's gonna be pretty fascinating. So I hope. Uh, yeah. I hope everything goes smoothly. Um, and I hope successful birth. I hope Suggs are still playing. I hope they deal with his absence and are inspired by a new Hayward entering the world to, to step up in terms of some of those players I mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I should have mentioned, uh, uh, I should have mentioned all the rookies opposed to the, the two that I mentioned. Um, like uh, who, who is the, now do you remember the, the Celtics, uh, R- Romeo Langford, right? Like he, he's another big, big candidate who would step up and, and potentially play in those moments. And it's like what we saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do in that buck series two years ago without Kyrie um so there is precedent and there's no one i trust more than brad stevens to to tell the story around how do we do this together as a team but uh yeah, yeah. it'll be it'll be really interesting and just another wrinkle thrown into this crazy 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 uh, crazy uh, end of the year won't be the last one either no no for sure well it was great talking basketball it's been too long and now i'm getting really excited to start seeing some of these games actually <laughs> played but uh yeah, it should be fun. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, everyone stays smart, and we get to a point where we can actually play some ball. Um, and then, otherwise, looking forward to talking about it. There should be no shortage of uh, stories, and hopefully, our Celtics are playing a pretty prominent role in the end of the season.
1: Mm-hmm. And look forward to hearing your um, your
0: review of your first-time <laughs> mysteries viewing. All right, yeah, give me give me place. give me a give me a week. Give me a week. I'll see if I get a one. week. Okay. <laughs> You just said you have
1: late night. You you have late nights where you're by yourself. You know, I mean, even if Lisa's
0: not down, you could watch it yourself. You said it was pretty creepy. I don't know if I could sleep after that. I gotta I gotta watch some. uh, Uh, (laughs) I said one of them was creepy. (laughs) Oh man. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, I'll talk to you.